Hello, welcome to A Disciple's Tidbit, a small seed of information to help grow your faith. My name is Craig, and I want to invite you to sit back and enjoy this mini-episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's A Disciple's Tidbit. And what I want to talk to you about today is should believers in Jesus Christ support the nation of Israel at all? Hot-button topic, right? So... A lot of believers in Jesus Christ uh, like to derail the idea of quote-unquote Zionism or think we shouldn't support the Israelis because, well, they're oppressing the Palestinians. And we don't want to be a part of that. We want to support those who are being oppressed. And I won't go into the politics of that. I'm going to just talk about what the Bible talks about it and why we should support the nation of Israel. And as a matter of fact, that is the position I'm taking. We should, as Christians, support the nation of Israel. Now, disclaimer on that. I am not saying that the nation of Israel does everything right. I'm not saying that the government of Israel does everything right because they don't. They're run by human beings that are sinful and fallen, right? Just as any other government in the world. The United States of America is no different from the government of the nation of Israel. Just as it's not any different from the nation of Italy, England, Japan, China, or Russia, right? So they're all run by sinful human beings. You may have some Christians scattered throughout, but for the most part, you're likely going to find just a bunch of people who are non-believers, who are just people going about and doing their daily life running the government the way that they see fit, right? So why do I say we should support, support rather the nation of Israel? So there's many, many reasons why I could go into. I'm going to just briefly go through it right now, and you could look up the scripture verses on your own. So in Genesis chapter 12 and then Genesis chapter 15, there is what is called the Abrahamic covenant. And that's what people have put on the concepts that are found within these chapters. And basically what it is, it's a promise of land to Abraham and his descendants forever. And this is a covenant that God put himself as the only binding party. So Abraham, it wasn't contingent on Abraham being obedient. It wasn't contingent on his sons or their descendants being obedient or the church even to be obedient. It was simply something that God set in stone forever and ever and ever, right? Fast forward to 2 Samuel chapter 7, and we have a promise that there will be an eternal ruler that will forever sit on the throne of King David. So there is going to be a descendant on down the line that will sit on the throne of King David to rule over the nation of Israel and ultimately the world. Fast forward then to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, okay, where there is one like a son of man, who approaches the Ancient of Days, who is believed to be God the Father. And it is said of this Son of Man that he will receive dominion and authority that will be eternal and will never, ever end. And then we look at Ezekiel chapter 36 and Ezekiel chapter 37, where we're told that God will give us, or I'm sorry, he will give the nation of Israel a new covenant where he would write his law on their hearts and he would put his law Uh, I'm sorry, his spirit in them physically, right? And then 
Also in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 35, this is reiterated. And then obviously we see in Isaiah chapter 53, we have the picture of the sacrifice that we now know is Jesus Christ that was given for the nation of Israel initially. And since they did not uh, acknowledge their Messiah, God then turned to the Gentiles and gave the covenant to them for a time. And this is something in like, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 27, that the Apostle Paul would say is a mystery. This is something God did not disclose under the old covenant that the nation would reject him and that he would then give the covenant to the Gentiles for a time, the Gentiles being the non-Jewish believers in Jesus Christ. And I think probably the most poignant, the most irrefutable Thing that we can point to is in the new covenant itself the writings of the new covenant being the new testament right romans chapter 11 and i'm just going to start reading some of it and this should just simply seal the deal as to why you should support the nation of israel okay starting in chapter one it says i asked then did god reject his people by no means i he, and paul is talking about himself here i am an israelite myself a descendant of abraham from the tribe of benjamin God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. So then Paul goes into a whole line of thought as to why, no, God has not given up on the nation of Israel, right? As a matter of fact, he goes down in verse 25. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Keep in mind, too, this is from the book of Romans, okay? This is to the church at Rome. So these are totally Gentiles. They're likely not Jewish believers in Jesus Christ. They are people who are descendant from all sorts of manners and walks of life. And they probably were all Middle East, all sorts of ethnicities, right? They definitely weren't Jewish, and they definitely weren't in the nation Israel, most likely. That's why he said, so that you may not be conceited. So it, he didn't want them to come up, say, with replacement theology, saying, well, now all the promises given to Israel, now given to the church. No. Romans chapter 11, in all honesty, if you believe in replacement theology, you should just throw that out. Just give it up because it's not true. Anyway, so it says, so that you may not be conceited, Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all of Israel will be saved. So the mystery that Paul was talking about in Colossians chapter 1 was what is in the latter part of verse 25. A hardening of Israel has happened in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. God did not reveal in the old covenant that he was going to give his covenant uh, that he promised to his people in the prophecies that I said before in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. He did not elude that he would give that to the Gentiles for a time. 
Okay, And the reason why we should support the nation of Israel is because Israel has been booted out of the land twice before. Okay, Israel was kicked out of the land starting when um, Israel had a civil war way back in the day. And it was broken off to 10 tribes of the north and two tribes of the south, right? So the 10 tribes of the north ended up getting conquered by the Assyrian Empire sometime around 550 or so BC. And they were pretty much dispersed and gone forever, okay? The tribe, the, uh, I'm sorry, the kingdom of Judah to the south comprised of the uh, tribe of Judah and Benjamin. And they were carted off in the Babylonian captivity. But as the prophet Jeremiah said, I believe in chapter 25, he said, you're going to be in exile for 20, or I'm sorry, for 70 years, but then you'll be allowed to come back. Okay. And they were, they were allowed to come back. They rebuilt Jerusalem. They rebuilt the temple. They had their nation for a time. They were still under Gentile dominion, right? In um, concordance to Daniel chapter two in the prophecy of the statue in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Okay. And then the second dispersion was in 70 AD, Jesus said about 35 or 40 years before that, he prophesied, not one stone shall be left. All of this shall be torn down, speaking about the temple, right? Well, it happened in 70 AD. The, uh, the general Titus came in with the Roman legions and laid siege to Jerusalem. And after a time, he totally conquered that city and totally toppled the actual temple. And then the Jewish people were dispersed. And they remained dispersed until, according to Isaiah, I believe it's 66, chapter 66. It may be chapter 64. I'm maybe remembering wrong. Regardless, it says, shall a nation be born in a day? And yet, by United Nations declaration in May 14th of 1948, the nation of Israel was reborn. It was not only reborn, but it was reborn with the same language, the same monetary system, and the same not necessarily religious culture, but there remains intact some degree of a religious culture that was there some 2,000 some odd years ago. Something that has never happened with any other nation or peoples throughout any time period in all of the world, whereby Ezekiel chapter 37 with the Valley of Dry Bones prophecy shall come to pass. God will eventually bring the nation of Israel into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but not before the great tribulation happens. And I went through that whole thing with a series that I entitled Tumultuous Times. And I would encourage you, if you haven't, uh, I'm sorry, listen to that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it because it is a horrific time period whereby God punishes the world for not believing in Jesus Christ and he purifies and brings the nation of Israel back into repentance to where he can bring them into the new covenant that he prophesied back in Ezekiel chapter 36, 37, Jeremiah 31. At this point in the podcast, I want to reach out to you. And if you have never done so, if you have never entered into a saving relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. All you need to do is believe. Believe that Jesus was who he said he was. He was God in the flesh. Believe in your heart that he died for your sins and rose from the dead. Confess him as Lord. And the Bible says that you will be saved if you do that. If you truly believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did exactly what he said he would do for you, 
you will be saved. It is simply that easy. A lot of people say prayer, prayer. And that's great to confess and put your mind and your heart and everything through a process, if you will, to be able to embody what's already taken place in your heart. By simply saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And now I confess you as Lord. Please take control of my life. And I want to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. That's all you need to do. And your life will change. Your life will change, not necessarily materially, not necessarily in terms of the world, but your life will change as far as your relationship with God. And you can know for certain that you're saved. The apostle John wrote that when he was pinning first John, he says, I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you can hope, not that you can wonder, but that you can know. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I want to thank you so much for listening to my podcast today. If you'd like to get in touch with me for any reason, I have the links for the social networks that I am connected on in my bio for this podcast. I'm also available at Gmail at DisciplePOV, that's D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E-P-O-V at gmail.com. If you have anything that you would like to convey to me, such as something you agree with, something you don't, or anything else, or if you did receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, I'd love to hear from you today and to assist you on your new eternal journey.